Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. So for, before I get into this one, uh, I'd like to hear from you. You know, have have you had to deal with low ball clients or either clients who they have a particular scope of a project and you look at what their proposed fee or rate is and it's just way out of whack or you're looking at a particular project and you see that a lot of other freelancers or you kind of get a sense that maybe a lot of the other freelancers bidding on that job are trying to lowball that job. So have you experienced that sort of thing before? And what'd you do to deal with it? How'd you overcome it? Did you just walk away? Let me know in the comments below. I'd, I'd love to hear what what you've done to deal with that. Also, uh, if you'd like to, I, I did a, a video on this long, long, long time ago. Uh, as episode like 81 of the show. So it was quite a while ago. But uh, we're going to be talking about a, a comment I got from uh, someone on YouTube. And they're referencing that video. So if you want to see the video that they're referencing... It's called Stop Freelance Clients from Lowballing You on Upwork. If you're on YouTube, there'll be a little button right up here. You can just click that button. That'll take you straight to the video. If not, you can head on over to johnmorrisshow.com slash jmso81. So again, the old podcast sort of format. So johnmorrisshow.com slash jmso81 for that video. But this came up because I got a couple interesting comments that are kind of sort of, I think, opposite approach to this idea. So this one was from Stefano, and we actually kind of went back and forth a little bit on this. And I think it was a reasonable enough discussion, even though we sort of seemed to disagree pretty vehemently on the topic. But one of the things he said in in the back and forth was, uh, he said, Upwork, except some exceptions, is a competition for the lower hourly rate. And it's in his nature which I think he's probably referring to clients. It's in their nature. It's obvious that a a manager, again, I think referencing client, tends to choose the lowest price. So this idea of Upwork as a sort of a race to the bottom, a lot of lowballing clients, again, that whole sort of thing, which you've probably heard before. I get I get stuff like this all the time. And so want to talk about just how to deal with that, what you can do. And then not long after that, I got this comment, which sort of reminded me of the video I had done before and, and kind of what brought up me wanting to talk about all this again. But it said, this one's from Zero on YouTube. It says, on a side note, I, I recently tried to instill this fear into the client that you talked about before regarding answering some of these questions. The, the client did respond interestingly. They were asking to see some samples, although I'd already provided them in my cover letter and again in a question that specifically asked for the samples. The last communication was me inviting them to a quick 15-minute Skype call. So we'll see what happens. So he references this idea of fear. And this is what I talk about in that episode number 81 that I referenced before. And, and maybe probably a few other places. But I want to go through what that is and explain to you how to use this idea of fear. Which I think a lot of people you know, may have a natural aversion to. And this may not be something for you if you don't like that particular approach. But it can be pretty effective. And if done right and in the proper situation. It's not it's not really a rational fear. It, it's not something you're making up. It's a real fear that clients should be paying attention to. So I want to go through that. And my experience of it. I had several clients where this sort of thing would happen. But one in particular that I remember was a project where they wanted help with, I, I worked with a particular, mainly with a particular uh, WordPress plugin called Wishlist Member. And 
that plugin had an API that you could interact with both within WordPress, but also externally. So you could interact with it from, say, another site, or in this case, they were wanting to in- integrate an iOS app. And you could do that with this. There was just some, you know, some tricks to, to getting it to work in that particular context. So they had this project where they wanted help integrating this API with an iOS app. And at the time, I was charging, I think, around $75 an hour. That was my standard rate. And their project, what they'd put on it, was about $50 an hour. And this was back at the time when you could still see what other, without having to upgrade your membership, you could still see what uh, other freelancers were bidding. And I and I had looked at a lot of the bids, and a lot of them seemed fairly low. And, and they were definitely lower than than my rate and they were about at what the the client was asking or lower so there were some people that were in there trying to go in and, and sort of lowball this project and I responded to them and I basically just told them I, I, I told them what I felt like was the truth which was the part of the API that they were working with I had either wrote a lot of it or myself or I had helped in the writing of it the API for this particular plugin I had uh, spent a lot of time working with. I wrote a bunch of sort of of helper functions and basically a wrapper for it and so forth. And so I knew it very very well. And so I told him, you know, I I wrote basically wrote this API that you're working with, and knowing it as well as I do, and what you're trying to do, I really doubt any of these other developers know the API well enough to actually get done what you want to get done. And especially the people who are saying they're going to do it for $10 an hour or whatever it is, uh, those people are going to get uh, upset or get disillusioned or get frustrated pretty quick and probably flake on you. And, And again, that's just me knowing this API as well as I did. And so I basically just laid this out for them. And eventually, they ended up hiring me and they ended up hiring me at my rate and we got the project done for them and everything was happy for both me and them. But if I had just looked at this project and I just looked at their hourly rate and saw that it was about $25 an hour lower than what my standard rate was and moved on, not only would I have suffered because I ended up doing further work for these guys, but also they would have suffered because they would have probably had a bad experience with anybody else that they went with. And so that's one of the main points that I want to make with this as we get into this is in a lot of cases, if you're looking at a, if you're a a freelancer looking at a project and you know that either the client is lowballing the project or other freelancers are or probably are, then you're not only doing yourself a disservice, but you're doing the client a disservice by not scaring the hell out of them about what could happen. Because the reality is that situation is true. So again, it it you shouldn't I don't think you should feel sort of ashamed about this or or shy away from it. Tell them the truth. And the truth is, is if they go with someone who's lowballing or they continue to lowball the, the project themselves, they're probably gonna run into a lot of headaches. So uh I, I sort of developed a way that I, I dealt with this and you can sort of pick and choose the 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 projects you do this on. Not every single project you see where it's being lowballed do you need to do this, but when you do, I think there's sort of a set process you can follow to deal with this. So that's what I want to talk the main the bulk of this about is sort of the steps to follow. So this is how to deal with the lowballing, in my opinion. First off, and in my experience, 
First off, you need to point out the elephant in the room. You just need to, the first thing you need to say when you respond is bluntly, bluntly say to them, look, your rate or the fixed price that you have for this project or the bids that I'm seeing generally from other freelancers, they're just way too low. Uh, That's just the bottom line. So that's the first thing. You need to bluntly state that because that's sort of going to get their attention and and get them. That's sort of the hook that you need to get them to actually read the rest of what you're saying. You don't want to dance around it. You don't want to beat around the bush. Just say it flatly and plainly. Point out the elephant in the room. Second, you need to tell them why, right? So you need to explain in detail why this is out of whack because they're not just going to believe you. And so, and it has to make logical sense to them. So you have to explain it to them in a way that makes sense, which of course means that it has to be true. So you're not going to go around every project and just make stuff up. That's not going to work. This isn't a tactic. This is more of a principle about how you approach your interaction with clients. And when you see something out of whack, you say something and, and that can actually lead to you getting hired or at the very least saving that client a bunch of headache, which they'll appreciate and could help you down the line in terms of getting hired as well. But there's sort of three main whys or main reasons why something tends to be out of whack in my experience. So the first one is scope. I think this is obvious, but sort of the scope to fee ratio is just, it's just way off what they're asking you to do and what they're, what they're charging or or saying they're going to pay for it is just nowhere close. And what you explain to them, if that's the case is that, Look, good developers are going to look at this, they're going to understand it's out of whack, and they're just going to pass by. And so what you're going to be left with is developers who sort of are a little more desperate, or freelancers are a little more desperate, freelancers who are willing to take a a little more on or are maybe new and don't understand that the scope is out of whack. You're going to be putting yourself in a situation where you're dealing with a freelancer who's not as experienced, not as maybe capable of completing the project. Uh, as you would want them to be. And you can tell them, look, you can do that, but you have to understand that that's the risk and 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 just point that out to them. So that's the first one. The second one is authority. So this is sort of what I relied on with the, with the uh, scenario I just explained to you with the situation that I explained to you that happened with me. It wasn't that the scope was necessarily out of whack. It was that I knew that particular system really, really well. And I mean, I probably knew that better than maybe anyone out there because of how much work I had spent doing it. And so I had the authority in the situation. I could say, look, I'm the expert on this. They're not. And here's why. Here's why nobody else knows this as good as I do. And so, sure, you could, you know, pay for less for somebody else to do it. But if you want to have the number one authority on this particular thing helping you do this, then I'm your guy and and I'm worth that extra price. So, uh, and, and it, it's particularly effective in a situation like what I described where it's something where what they're trying to do isn't common or standard. It's a little more unique, maybe a little more advanced. And they have a bunch of people bidding on that job that are sort of more just general sort of developers who really have no idea what they're about to get into. That's when this is most effective. And then the last one that that I, I used a lot was access. So it's I have basically I have access to something that nobody else does. And I've talked about this before, but I use this a lot in particular 
after I built uh, the the membership site for Michael Hyatt, I had a lot of people who, you know, he's really well known, famous blogger, so forth. So I had a lot of people contacting me who wanted sort of a clone of that. Well, the price I charged for it wasn't the amount of hours I was going to work. It wasn't how good of a developer I was. It wasn't any of that. The price I charged for it was based on the fact that I was the only person in the world that had written that code, that had access to that code, that could give them access to it. And so the price that they paid wasn't for hours. It wasn't for expertise even. It was for access. So that's another reason why you can use to say why why stuff is made to be out of whack. So those are sort of three main ones. There's, there's sort, obviously going to be plenty of others, but you need to explain to them logically why the 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 price that they're wanting or what their other freelancers are, are are bidding on it are is out of whack. Once you do that, then you need to go into this idea of fear that was mentioned. And essentially what you're doing here is telling the truth of the situation. Once you've explained all this uh, and why something is out of whack, now you need to take it further and say, here's the problem with that. Here's why this is a risk for you. Here's what can happen and how you will suffer if you if you continue down this route, if you hire someone who isn't really a good fit for this project because you're more focused on price. And you really need to describe explicitly what can happen and sort of put the fear of God in them. And what you want to do is you want to scare them out of their focus on price and and their sort of belief that they, they, they tend to have an uh, intuitive sense You'll run into two, either people who have no clue or people who know, they know full well that, that, that the price that people are bidding is way too low and they're just trying to get away with it. So for the, the people who don't know, you're just informing them and explaining why we'll usually do the trick. But for the people who know and are trying to get away with it, you really got to put the fear of God in them. And so you need to get them off that focus of price and get them on more focused on what's actually going to help them to get their project done the most efficient way. And again, you're doing this for their own good. You're scaring them for their own good because it's true. Again, this all has to be true. So don't again, I, I don't think you should feel too too bad about doing this because ultimately you're trying to help them. Then the next thing is just sort of a straight up tactic that works really, really well. And it's, you're just going to leverage the cliche. And we all know the cliche. We've probably heard the cliche a hundred times, but at the, after you've kind of gone through this fear part, you literally put the line and you can just copy this word for word. You don't have to think about this at all, but you put the, you put the line. It's as the saying goes, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You just need to put that cliche out there. Because whether it's true or not, right, we could debate that. A lot of people believe it is. And so when, you, when you've gone through this whole process and then you put that cliche line in there that they, if they already believe that, it just reinforces. It's sort of like a, a built-in kind of confirmation bias. They already believed it. So now they'll take and assume that that's true about everything that you just said. It really just puts the icing on the cake. So just explicitly put that line. And then the last thing you want to do is you want to move into it then explaining why your proposal is the way it is. So you just say something like, so my proposal is set to what I think uh, is appropriate for the project. Uh, and whatever you do, you know, don't fall for the trap of the lowest bidder and make sure you analyze every everyone that's bidding on your, your jobs. And do, taking that approach, finishing off that way, 
it sort of leads into your proposal and them looking at your proposal, but also helps it to try to come off a little bit more as just general advice. Like whatever you do, you know, don't fall into this trap or whatever. It sort of makes it come off more as advice and less sort of sales pitchy, which can help. So that's basically the process. Now, some things to consider with this. First off, it's not foolproof. It's not going to work on every project. It's not some magic bullet that you can just drop into every project you bid on. It's very specific projects where there's legitimately something out of whack. And even in that case, some clients will look at it and go, you know what? I get that. I don't care. I'm going to continue this route anyway. And they're going to have to learn the lesson the hard way. So be it. You know, you've you've done what you could. But the thing about this is it's going to open you up to some projects that you might not have otherwise thought that you you could bid on. And, you know, it's not necessarily going to bring you a hundred new projects every month, but it could tip the scales of a few projects, you know, a, a month or a year or whatever, depending on how many you're, build, or you're bidding on. But it could tip the scales of a few of those projects your way. And every little bit helps to increase increase your job history, helps to increase your portfolio, your experience, all that stuff, which starts to stack up. And those little, little bits tipped your way can lead to sort of massive results down the line. So, uh, and, and the other thing is, is, you know, one of these clients that you tip your way, you never know that could become your next lifetime client, someone who just loves you and continues to hire you over and over and over again. So opening yourselves up to these uh, these these projects that you might not otherwise be open to can can be a big benefit. The other thing you have to be careful of is or, or realize is that some client some clients are going to get pissed, right? They're just going to get mad that that you've done this and and pointed it out to them. And I think that's a good thing because and, and you should you should any client who responds to you angrily you should actually respond and and pursue that client because the the state of mind that they're in when they're upset is the state of mind that you were trying to create by pointing this out in the first place right you were you you're you were trying to instill some fear and fear when people accept it makes them angry so if they're angry that's a signal to you that they've accepted what you've said on some level and so now you should you don't just let that go they're on the hook now you follow that up and pursue it and say hey look I'm not trying to you know, make you mad or, or do anything like that. I'm just trying to point out the reality. I'm trying to tell the truth. Whether you hire me or not, I just wanted to tell you the truth about, about your particular project. And if you sort of take that approach to it, a lot of times you can, those clients that respond angrily, you can actually get hired by. And and a lot of times those clients will turn into the ones that become more long-term clients because they appreciate your honesty. The last thing is, is sort of leads off from that is the way that you know that this has wor- worked is if they respond, no matter how they respond, right? So this isn't a this isn't some magic bullet that they're going to respond and just say, "Oh, you're hired." That's not the way this works. All you're trying to get is a client who may have looked at your bid and saw like mine, it was $25 an hour higher than everybody else's. In most situations, the client's going to look at that and not even open it. They're just going to brush by it. But instead, now what you've got them to do is not only look at it, but respond to you. So if they respond to you, that's how you know that this particular tactic works. So again, it's not a magic hire me bullet. It's just a opener to a conversation is to get a response from them. Now, if you're like me, you might be wondering, hey, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to worry about all this? <laughs> if, I, if you had so many clients chasing you that you could just sort of pick and choose the best ones and you're going to have to worry about trying to 
uh, too too much persuasion and so forth. Well, about a year after I started on uh, freelancing on Upwork, that's the situation I found myself in. I was getting so many job invites, I had to turn off my availability because it was starting to hurt my profile. That starts to work against you and can actually lead to you getting banned now, I believe, if you if you don't respond to a certain number of, of jobs that you're invited to. So I had to turn off my availability to keep that from happening. And it wasn't because I was some genius or I'm like the greatest developer ever or any of that. All it really came down to was I stumbled on a series of blog posts, which are now deleted. The that that up it was at the time it was still Elance Odesk, but it was the same essentially the same company that is Upwork now. But there's a series of blog posts that where they laid out almost exactly how their client to freelancer uh, matching system worked. And once I looked at that and once I understood it, it just became obvious to me what I needed to do to to my profile and my whole approach to Upwork, what I needed to change and what I had been doing wrong. And so I went and I made those changes to my profile and was almost immediately, I ended up getting hired for my first project on Upwork after months of really not getting anything, bidding on jobs and people not responding and so forth. So it was sort of almost for me, it was just like this immediate change. And I've had others who have explained this too. And I posted comments before in videos and so forth about this who've who've had that same thing that go months of not getting any sort of bites or work or anything and then they make these changes and all of a sudden it's just like this instant change they suddenly get hired for their first project and starting getting job invites and so forth and so in my upwork 101 course i show you what i discovered that day in those deleted blog posts and how to build your profile in a way that takes advantage of this this matching system and that's going to help you to rank higher in searches, to pop up more often in that suggested freelancers list, and, and really to build a pro- profile that stands out to clients that, that not only shows up higher, but gets noticed and stands out and makes them want to click on it. Plus, I've also added a new section where I teach you all the little tricks and tactics and techniques that I learned uh, over the years writing to write proposals that are believable, which is the most important thing that you can do. And as a result of that, they're a lot more persuasive so that all these new invites that you're getting or all these responses from jobs that you're bidding on and so forth that you're getting, you now actually can take that to the next step and get hired for those jobs. So right now I'm running a launch week special for the this new section that I'm releasing where you can get the entire course for just 10 bucks. But this ends in just a few days. It ends on March 28th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So time is running out if you want to get in on this. Anyway, all the info on that and how to enroll, you can find at upwork101.com. If you're on YouTube, I'll put, put it in the little button thing up here again too. But for the audio version, it is upwork101.com. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, be sure to hit the like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Be sure to hit the bell and subscribe to all notifications so that you make sure and actually get notified when I post new videos. Also, all the past episodes and links to subscribe on the audio versions of the podcast, Android, iTunes, TuneIn, all that, you can find at johnmorrisshow.com. Finally, if you'll rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, I'll give you module one of my PHP 101 course for free. All the details on that and how to get that free module you can find at johnmorrisshow.com. Just click on the start here link at the top. All right, thanks for listening.
We'll talk to you next time.